Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And this is part five of the Keegan Odyssey, part five of what we think could be around about 47 or even 48 parts. We're not entirely sure. But, you know, just enjoy it. And If you're not enjoying it, let us know and we can ignore your, your communications. Um, we left... And you have to pay us as well for complaints. Yeah, to, yeah That's we a new system. Mention that we're going to start introducing a pay-per-tweet system whereby if yeah. you want to tweet us uh, anything at all, it's going to cost you three pence. So um, think on. Um, where were we at the end of the last one? Keegan had picked up some hitchhikers, hadn't he? And, oh, yeah. and, and had a bit of, bit, bit of trouble with some hitchhikers. They put their put feet, their up, on feet the up on his dashboard. <laughs> hey, get your feet down. <laughs> <laughs> so he's playing for um, Scunthorpe. Arsenal have visited Scunthorpe in the League Cup and won 6-1, but Kev got to play in front of 17,000 people, roughly five times more than the usual crowd. So that was quite exciting for him. Uh, But he was being paid such a pittance at Scunthorpe that he couldn't even afford to run his first car, a Morris 1100. Because in the summer, his wages went down from 15 quid a week to 10 quid a week. So, you know, ever the opportunist, uh, Kev found himself a temporary job plate-laying at Appleby Froddingham Steelworks. And then later on, <laughs> later on, boosted his income as the head porter of a mental hospital. It says here, <laughs> a Jesus. mental hospital in Doncaster. I'm not sure. I mean, back then, I'm sure it was fine, and it might have even had the words Doncaster Mental Hospital <laughs> <laughs> for for the different for the cli- times for, for for the clinically round the bend, as yeah. it was known officially. <laughs> For those who are out where the buses don't run. For the officially but, duffed. Yeah. <laughs> Mad as a box of frogs. Uh, right, we've got your diagnosis in. Apparently, you're as mad as a box of frogs. Could be worse. I thought they were going to say you're as mad as a lorry. <laughs> Sometimes I now, doubled up as a psychiatric doctor. We're going to get you on some tablets, we'll get you on some therapy, and hopefully we can get you yeah. downgraded to just plain old barmy by the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, having me around cheers anyone up. <laughs> they found that having double K with my trademark enthusiasm and positivity on the ward made even uh, made even serial killers cheer up and realise there was more to life than kidnapping and killing people. <laughs> Fucking hell. The head, head porter as well. He's walked straight into a head porter's job. Do you think that's because oh, of the classic football? double K. It, he's classic just gone in and K. just... He's, perhaps he told them about his experience in the mortuary. He had that on his CV. Part-time um, worker in a mortuary. Are we allowed to use any of these uh, barn pots as like, you know, once they're all drugged up and floppy, can we use them as poppets? Uh, I used to do that in the mortuary I worked in. Well, I didn't actually work there. I just used to break in and play with the dead bodies. 
Some of this lot, though, when you put them on the very hard drugs, they're almost like they're dead anyway, aren't they? <laughs> so we can do what we want, can't we? Can't we? We can make, we can make one of them new zombie films that are so popular. <laughs> in the Day evenings, the I would sit down. In the evenings, I would sit down and start writing out a little book that I'd come up with. I called it "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest." <laughs> <laughs> Years later, it was turned into a film, but I never got any credit for it. <laughs> there were a big red Indian working that living there as well. <laughs> oh, at the mental hospital, he was daft as a brush. He were never said a word. Ended up strangling someone <laughs> and ripped one of the sinks up. Threw it out the window. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, um, well, <clears throat> that was one one uh, highlight of Scunthorpe. Uh, and then another time, uh, five players, Kev, Nigel Jackson, Jimmy Coyne, Alan Alberson, Steve Hibbertson, and of course, uh, Double K, decided it would be fun to build a track around the back of the stand at Scunthorpe and arrange a rally on the club's ancient tractor. He's full of bright ideas, isn't he? He's never, he's never short of something to uh, liven things up. So uh, they borrowed the stopwatch from from Jack, who was the the coach, I think, at the time. Uh, and when it was my turn on these unofficial time trials, I went so fast over one bump, the impact of the landing forced the axle up through the engine, and the front of the tractor collapsed in a heap of steaming metal. He says proudly. <laughs> <laughs> a nice little. He's, he's pre- it's a nice little precursor for his, a nice precursor for his, uh, his uh, endeavours on Superstars a few years later. Yeah, true. When he came off on that bend. And he didn't fear danger. That's the thing about no. him. He run, He runs where others run away from it, he'll run into it. I think it's all down to that electricity that was set, shot through him when he was born. Electric Precisely. Kevin. He's an yeah. electric baby. <laughs> One of the electric babies of the uh, 1950s. Yeah. Whole generation of them. So the... Uh, the tractor was at least 30 years old. It must have cost a fortune to fix. He didn't stick around to find out. It was money Scunthorpe couldn't afford. Uh, needless to say, I had the last laugh. Um, then, of course, the jokes continue. He says, uh, once he was a regular part of the first team, on the bus to away games, we used to have a running joke where I would sit on the journalist Tom Taylor's knee. <laughs> <laughs> and he would and he would bounce me up and down while we pretended I was a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> <laughs> There's something that doesn't what's this bloke's name? Tom Taylor. Tom, Tom Taylor the journalist. <laughs> Tommy Taylor from the Gazette. Oh, Come on. There's Let me more. pop myself up on your knee, Tommy. <laughs> there's more. Get this. Tom was the father of Graham Taylor, then a player for Grimsby Town. Fucking hell. <laughs> And another so, fellow England manager. This is incredible. In, in the early 1970s or late 1960s, whatever it was, Kevin Keegan used to sit on the knee of Graham Taylor's dad on a bus, get bounced up and down and pretend to be a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> it's so extraordinary that these things take so many years to come to light. I mean, it's a yeah. sad reflection on British journalism. When, when an England manager, when someone becomes England manager, they come under such intense scrutiny from the press. They do. And the press will do anything they can to find information about yeah. this, this man so they can run stories on a daily basis about <laughs> them, right? And then, yeah, so they did that to Keegan. In, in Keegan's era as England manager, it was even more true than it is today. I mean, mm. Southgate gets off quite lightly. But in those days, I mean, for kids who don't remember, the England manager, it was like you were under more intense scrutiny than the Prime Minister. Yeah. And then when a book comes out all these years later and reveals gems like that that were never unearthed at the time, you think, what were you fucking doing? 
Are they, what, 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 were, what were the journalists doing? They're like, you know, that is that should have been, never mind back page, it should have been front page news. They should have when, mocked it up. When, when Keegan was appointed to England manager, the first thing the journals at the tabloid should have done was to ring all the previous England managers and ask if Keegan had ever sat on their father's knee. Yeah. I bounced up and down like a ventriloquist dummy. It's, it's obvious. Hello. Hello, El Tell speaking. <laughs> Hello, El Tell. <laughs> it's, it's John Pig. It's John Pigman of the Star. <laughs> oh, hello, John. Now, just a quick one about this new bloke, Keegan, who's taking the England job. Has he ever had any dealings with your father, Gary Venables? <laughs> Not that I know of. I could look into it for the right price. <laughs> Are you sure? Was there ever an incident where Keegan sat on your father's knee and was bounced up and down like some kind of ventriloquist dummy? <laughs> for example. We need to ask these questions. Due diligence and everything. <laughs> I understand you're just doing your job, pig man. But money talks in this business. It's El Tell you're dealing with here. Not fucking Ron Greenwood. <laughs> Well, I'll see what we can do, Tell, but the thing is, we need to drive this Keegan character out of the job as soon as possible. That's how we work. <laughs> the brief from my editor and the proprietor of this organisation <laughs> is to send Keegan absolutely fucking mad. Didn't even have the Doncaster Metal Hospital where he came from. <laughs> we want to be, we want this to be a landmark case where we're able to instigate a full nervous breakdown within three months of someone taking the England job. <laughs> There's awards to be won for this. <laughs> so it gets slightly more sinister when you when you learn that Tom Taylor's nickname, or pseudonym rather, at the Scunthorpe Evening Telegraph was The Porcher. Oh, God. And he was a big man, it says. Keegan says he was a big man. And me being so small, we made quite a double act with that guttle gear routine on our long oh treks across God. the country. <laughs> Fucking hell. I wonder how long it went on for exactly, and I wonder how quickly it became tedious for everyone watching. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Keegan's enthusiasm is, it is infectious, yes, but sometimes I think he could get carried away with his own jokes. Yeah. To the extent that other people might start. I mean, I would have personally, I love Double K. And when I was a kid, I was a big fan of ventriloquism as well. Mm. In fact, I've never told you this, but there was a brief period when I was about six where I dreamt of one day myself becoming a ventriloquist. But that's this another story for another time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. But uh, I would have been super weirded out by seeing this. Mm. Did you have a ventriloquist dummy? Uh, no, I wanted one. They were quite hard to come by, I remember. I really yeah. wanted one. I kept asking for one for Christmas and so on. But Me- um, really, I had to use socks or cuddly yeah. toys. Yeah, yeah, I had the sort of cuddly toy type, but what I wanted was the full wooden boy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In a well, little my, suit. My, my cousin had one of the ones, you know, with a with big shock of ginger hair. Yes. And the, and the sort of red cheeks. And he would yeah, wear a little yeah, suit. Yeah, Classic, my cousin, yeah. My cousin had one of them. It was amazing. I wonder where that is now. And could he do it? Could your cousin do it? <clears throat> nah. Well, we, we all tried, but, you know, it takes a lot of practice. The place where my mum worked when I was that age did a works do for the kids at Christmas. Mm. Like, the boss, who was a kindly proprietor. Kindly, except also a bit sinister. RG, his name was. Right? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and he, yeah. He was, he was called RG. 
And he said, I want to lay something on for the kids at Christmas. And he won. And so he, he got an entertainer. There was presents and he got an entertainer. And it was a ventriloquist, and I was fucking psyched by this because I was all really into ventriloquism. Yeah. But I remember this bloke. He turned up, and he was like, he was like the you know the grumpy children's entertainer out of out of Heidi High, who hated <laughs> yeah. children. Yeah, he was exactly like him. He the turned drunk. up grumpy, yeah, pissed. And the ventriloquism, even to my six year old eyes, was so such a fucking swizz because he kept what he did was. He kept doing double takes. That was part of the comedy. Double takes right. of things that the ventriloquist dummy, the, the dummy had, was supposed oh, to be saying. Yeah. But in doing the double take, Classic. it allowed him to turn his head away from us and do the voice. <laughs> so he wasn't really a ventriloquist at all. He couldn't speak without his lips moving. What he could do was hide his face from us while he did the voice. Yeah. And I felt let down and ripped off by it. Quite right. Did that kill your dreams of being a ventriloquist? I thought to myself, this industry is not the magical place I thought. The ventriloquism world <laughs> stinks. It is rotten to the very fucking core. It's riddled it with charlatans. Corrupt. It's corrupt. It's riddled <laughs> with charlatans. And it's built on a lie. The lie. <laughs> the lie <laughs> that man can, lie. <laughs> man can speak without moving his lips. It's not. It's a lie. And from that day on, I renounced it. Now. If I'd seen Keegan in that era, it wouldn't have made me feel any better about the situation. In fact, it would have made me feel worse. Because let's be honest, the elephant in the room here as we're hearing this story about him and Graham Taylor's dad is, is that it sounds a little bit sexual. It does. But what I'm thinking, before we move on, is that there's a possibility that one day we could perhaps do an episode of this podcast with ventriloquist dummies. Yeah, I'm up for that. Right, we'll do that then. <laughs> what, we'll film it? <laughs> No. Oh, oh right. Okay. So people won't know. <laughs> no. Hello, Wendy. <laughs> what a lovely week it's been. Oh, hello, Cunters. Have you got any bullshits for us this week? Audio only. No one needs to see us. But we will invest in the dummies. We'll do it properly. Definitely. There'll be a photograph of us with the dummies, but there'll be no video. <laughs> I'll add that to the long list of spin-off podcasts we're going to do, us, mate. If there's a photo of you in your den, your darts den in Sunderland sat with a ventriloquist dummy and me in my daughter's bedroom in London <laughs> with another ventriloquist dummy, both just staring, baggy-eyed and miserable. <laughs> lost. Lost in a world that we no longer can comprehend. Yeah. <laughs> lost in a world that has changed so unrecognisably from the world that we came of age in. Yeah. And we are now sat in our respective homes, fathers, uh, overweight, sad, yeah. In yeah. my case, reluctantly sober, sat with ventriloquist <laughs> dummies on our shoulders, on our knees, staring dead-eyed into the camera and sharing the imagery on Twitter for everyone yeah. to look at and pity I, us. I think our listeners would love that. I, I, yeah, they would, yeah. I could second-guess them there, definitely. <laughs> the lower we get, the more happy they are. I think that's what it is, yeah. And the yeah. more money we'll charge them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the money won't make us happy because nothing can. No, we can't spend our way out of this. I've tried no. that in the past when I've had the opportunity. It doesn't get you anywhere. No chance. So he, he adds about the, the bus trips with the ventriloquism and Graham Taylor's dad. Uh, there was no such thing as an overnight stay for a club with Scunthorpe's means, and we had to make our own entertainment, playing endless hands of whist and other card games. On one trip to Exeter, it took the entire night to get home, arriving back around the same time the milk was being delivered. And then, quite chillingly, he adds... 
We didn't even have a toilet on the bus. Fucking hell. Oh, so what were they doing then? Oh, they must have had a pull over for toilet breaks. Unless, mm. who knows? I don't know. He doesn't right, say it. He doesn't like elaborate. That time when you and your mates went on an away day, I think it was, was it to Hull? Yeah, it was um, Burnley. And you were leaning one, out the one, back one, of the van, weighing into a bottle? Well, was one of it? the lads uh, took a piss into a can of, of uh, Foster's, I think it was. Lovely. Because uh, there were no other options. We, we were late for the match. What else was he going to do? Piss you his can't pants? pull over in that situation. You've but got we had a police escort. You've got to have a piss your... Yeah, well... You know, the police police motorcycle behind us. What else is he going to do? I think he was yeah, discreet exactly. enough so they didn't see him. But um, It all worked out are. for the best in the end, basically. It did. Jalapeño. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. Of course, one of the things that Keegan is renowned for is his boundless energy and um, fitness levels. And at one point, he says, aged 15, he decided to take on a 50-mile run from Manchester to Doncaster, uh, which, as he says, is almost back-to-back marathons. Uh, There was seven of us that set off from Piccadilly Railway Station, and looking back, it was a ridiculous undertaking to expect us to make it across the Peak District. It's fucking fucking ran across the Peak District, basically. It's not even like he's ran in a straight line on a flat road. Electric Kevin. Electric Kevin. At his finest. He says, if you know Woodhead Pass, it's hills all the way. And however hard we trained, it was nothing compared to the agonies we suffered on these long, steep gradients. The first dropouts came at 16 miles. And Dave Brown, the guy who had come up with the idea, hit the deck somewhere near Peniston. (laughs) That left me alone. (laughs) So he's vowed to continue on this run. This 50-mile run. But not without good reason. Because as he says, I was desperate to finish because the mayor was supposed to be putting on a reception when we arrived in Doncaster. What the fuck? <laughs> who's organised this? And who's, who's been in contact with the mayor of Doncaster and said, five kids are going to run across from Manchester. Can you put a reception on when we get there? As Keegan says, it was lunacy. He says, I struggled. <laughs> Even Keegan recognises this as lunacy. <laughs> yeah. I could tell from my experience in the Doncaster Mental Hospital that this was lunacy. I struggled on past the 13-mile mark, up and down those brutal hills, until my legs buckled and I started staggering around as if Cassius Clay had landed a right hook on my chin. So he's he's staggering around the brutal hills on the Peak District, on his own, um, trying to make for Doncaster. It looks like he's fucking packed it in, because then he says... 
we were determined not to be beaten. Yeah, I think he's quit. I don't know. I don't know who's rescued him. But he says we decided to try another fifty-mile run, but this time from Nottingham to Doncaster over a much flatter route. <laughs> Billy Greer, the Notts County manager, started us off outside Nottingham railway station, and three of us, Dave, another friend called Alan Dykes, and myself, made the full distance. We arrived at Doncaster in style with a police escort. Oh, I wonder if they got. I wonder if they got to piss in a pop can. Yeah. I ran, I ran into Doncaster with my penis inside a panda pop bottle. I've never felt prouder in my life. Never felt more alive. We, we arrived in Doncaster style with a police escort taking us to the mayor's parlour. Oh. And he says, of all the things I have done in my life, I will always consider that one of my prouder achievements. Think about all the things Kevin Keegan has done in his life. European Footballer of the Year twice. Yeah. Um, winner of countless medals and trophies, honours, England caps, managerial achievements, England manager, but a fucking stupid 50-mile run from Nottingham to Doncaster is one of his greatest achievements. Well, it is an amazing achievement, but it's a pointless one too, isn't it? Well, I've got a mate who does these sort of runs. He does, like, fell running stuff, and he does, like, 96 miles without fucking blinking an eye. And I don't understand how the human body is capable of doing that. Yeah. Well, if you're a professional footballer, you shouldn't be doing it. They wouldn't allow it these days. They probably wouldn't. This is it! What happens when he gets to Liverpool then? I remember reading when I first read this book that he people kept leaving Scunthorpe and getting picked up by bigger clubs. And he yeah. thought his chance had gone. Because yeah. he saw his mates going off to other clubs in higher divisions. And scouts would come and spot them and take them. And he was always the one that didn't get the nod. And he thought, that's it. My ch- I'm going to be stuck here at Scunthorpe and I'm just have to live my career out here because the other lads are getting spotted before me. And then suddenly, yeah. out of the blue, Liverpool turn up. Yeah. I mean, he, he does mention Liverpool when he's talking about the, the running and everything. He says, um, after that, I never lost my fitness. Bill Shankly couldn't get over it when I moved to Liverpool. Slow down, son, he'd say. You don't have to win every race. Tommy Smith, in particular, didn't appreciate this young whippersnapper herring past him in training. And this is the first example where we get a hint of Tommy Smith being a bit of a cunt, which is something <laughs> that we'll come, we'll come back to a little yeah. bit later on in yeah. the book. But we'll just leave that. We'll, we'll park that there for now. Yeah, he signs for Liverpool. Um, and his debut comes on 14th of August, 1971. But um, he's not mentioned in the programme for that match. So I don't know whether he'd, he'd... Well, I think what happened was he wasn't expected to be in the first team. He'd had the, mm. the summer previously... And um, he was expecting to go straight in the reserves, but he performed so well in the in the pre-season that he got chucked in on the first game of the season. Um, <laughs> he ran out on the pitch of the first game with 23,000 Liverpool fans swaying like human blancmange on the cop. <laughs> what a lovely phrase. I've never heard anything like that before. You can, yeah, you can, he would have been sat with his ghostwriter himself. Yeah, himself, yeah. What did the cop look like that day? Well, mm. they were swaying like trees in the wind. No, oh, no. that doesn't, like, that, that doesn't do ocean. it justice at all. Waves no, I've on heard the that. ocean? That's a, no. a what-you-call-it, a cliché. Yeah. Think of something else that they look like. Well, they're all pink, like pink <laughs> blancmange. Hey, that's it. And it's my favourite pudding. Put that in. <laughs> Human blancmange. Maybe I could call the book Human blancmange. No, Kevin, don't be <laughs> stupid. That doesn't, that's no, not relevant. The sales department will never go for that. 
<laughs> Who's the sales, the sales department? department. It's <laughs> my book, not theirs. I think I, th- I know a thing or two about appealing to the public. <laughs> uh, he says the the human blancmange wondering who this little imposter with the long hair was. I couldn't blame them either because it was virtually unheard of for a player to go from the wilderness of the fourth division straight to the first team of a club of Liverpool size. I was as surprised as anybody and demonstrating why my teammates would later give me the nickname of Andy McDaft. (laughs) (laughs) He just leaves that there. He doesn't doesn't elaborate on that. He just leaves it. That is outrageous. (laughs) That is outrageous because that is a nickname that needs so much explanation. And he has not given us one line of explanation. I hope he returns to it later on. Yeah. I want to be called Electric Kevin. No, you're Andy McDuft. No, What about Double K? Mighty Mouse? (laughs) (laughs) The Kevinator. No, you're Andy McDuft. But why? (laughs) Why, Tommy Smith? Why? Hey, that's our business, not yours. Just know that that's your new name. That's that's the Liverpool way. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. You're in Liverpool now. There are different rules to the rest of the country. We do things One of them different. is, we set the nicknames and you don't ask fucking questions. <laughs> Have you got that in your knot now, you little bastard? <coughs> this is Merseyside. <laughs> You're not in Doncaster now. It's his debut and he turns up late because... Um... He almost dropped the biggest rick of his life, he says. He says his digs were on Lily Road in Liverpool's Fairfield district under the care of his new landlady, Mrs Lindholm. Uh, And on a normal day, he'd worked out it would take five to ten minutes to get to Anfield. Stupidly, though, I'd forgotten to take into account it was the first weekend of a new football season. And amazingly enough, the traffic for Liverpool match, watched by 50,000-plus people, might be a little heavier than the roads around the old showground of Scunthorpe on an average Saturday afternoon. I was told to be at Anfield by 2pm. I didn't set off till 1.45 with Jean, who was, of course, later his wife, Mum, Dad and Mike. Mike's his brother, I think. Uh, could be his imaginary friend, not sure. In my Ford Cortina. And inching through the choke streets, we came to a police roadblock half a mile from the ground. I was starting to fear the worst. I leant out of my window and tried to explain to the policeman that I had just left Scunthorpe United in the fourth division and was meant to be playing for Liverpool that afternoon. <laughs> you can imagine the reaction from the cop, can't you? <laughs> Yeah, tell us another one, lad. Yeah, of course you are, son, he laughed. You don't think <laughs> I do this for a living, do you? 20 minutes more of this, lad, then I've got to get my kit on too. Now go round the other way like everyone else. <laughs> Typical Scouse humour there, legendary mm. Scouse humour yeah, there. Yeah, it is legendary, yeah, it's famous around the world. That he's on the wrong side of. I couldn't blame him for thinking I was trying it on and I was just glad the stewards let me through when I finally made it to the ground. I'm not sure they recognised this anonymous kid with a Yorkshire accent either. Nobody had a clue who it was, and to conf- I have to confess I felt a bit of a fraud when we ran out of the tunnel that day in the most incredible din I had ever heard in my life. Oh, what a din! That oh, what is a bloody din. Oh, look at the human blamange over there making a din. Oh, I've never heard a blamange so noisy. <laughs> Sometimes I get the blamange and it's nice and runny. <clears throat> I pick it up on my spoon and I flop it down back into the bowl again. It makes a Splat. lovely plop sound. But I've it never goes splat plop. I've never had but any this kind wasn't of a splat or a pop. It was more of a raw. <laughs> it was such a din. <laughs> um, and then there's a bizarre uh, tradition, which I believe has mm. now died out at Liverpool at Anfield. And Electric Kevin says. In those days, it was customary for a new player to be welcomed by a representative of the cop. So the new player <laughs> comes out of the pitch, someone emerges from the cop, 
and welcomes them to Liverpool Football Club because they do Fuck things different there. It's the Scouts way. It's a ritual. It's a ceremony because this is a religion. <laughs> and you're now a disciple. A disciple of that liver bird. Look at it. That's your God. <laughs> he now, says, uh... take your shorts down <laughs> and shut your eyes. <laughs> now cough. <laughs> Great. You've got two healthy testicles there. You're one of us. One of us. One of us. He says, suddenly an old chap appeared on the pitch to give me a stubbly peck on the cheek. He had enough booze on his breath to knock me out. (laughs) Then the old fella knelt down to kiss the grass before rejoining his mates in that vast heaving terrace. Back in, so a a lone piece of blancmange, a fleck of blancmange emerged (laughs) onto the pitch, reeking of beer. And kissed Kevin Keegan, then kissed the pitch. (laughs) They went back. What else did he them. kiss? Then he kissed the corner flag, he kissed the ball boy, he kissed the goalposts and the dugouts, and then, and then he then kissed he was... his own hand, and then he went back into the cop. And I don't and know was... what he kissed there, because I couldn't see him anymore. <laughs> uh, try and put him out of my mind. There was a match to be played. <laughs> and then he adds, quite simply, the game kicked off, I played, I scored, and my life was never the same again. Wow. And he talks about Bill Shankly. He says he was, out, without doubt, the most important influencer on my playing career. Second, of course, only to the nun, Sister Mary, who yeah. was the uh, soccer star soccer spotter, I believe. Soccer talent spotter, yeah. <clears throat> soccer talent spotter, that's right. He says, Shankly was there at a point in my life when I, I needed someone to believe in me. He said, Jesus Christ, he was always saying, you're a great player. You're not, not just a great player, you're one of the great players. He says, we were both minor sons and maybe he saw something of his younger self in me. He used to say, son, just go out there and drop some hand grenades. <laughs> he told me before that first game against Nottingham Forest. I knew exactly what he meant. <laughs> and I ran straight <laughs> down to the Army and Navy store and bought myself a box uh, of hand grenades. <laughs> I came back and he was like, no, not those sort of grenades, you daft bugger. No, no wonder they call you Andy McDaft. <laughs> Met- metaphorical hand grenades, son. Uh, Give me those real ones, in, I'll keep them for later. You're in Liverpool now. We speak in metaphors and cryptic riddles at all times. <laughs> and similes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what he, meant, what he meant. He meant for me to cause problems for the opposition all over the pitch. That was precisely what I wanted to do, but nobody had ever let me play that way before. And um, we'll just end this episode. It's a brief overview, basically. He says... Um, my six years at Liverpool completely changed my life, given the sum total of my football achievements until that point was a medal mm. from my days in Doncaster Junior League football and a silver nut dish when Scunthorpe oh. were runners-up in the Lincolnshire Senior Cup. So oh. runners-up then received a silver I'd nut love dish. A, I'd love a silver nut dish, mate. Yeah. I wonder, if the, winners, I... I wonder if the winners of the Lincolnshire Senior Cup got a gold nut dish, do you think? Yeah. But a nut dish at all is something that I've not really been aware of. But I would like I, I I'm a big fan of having some salted nuts or yeah. unsalted, but salted's obviously always better. Um, whilst watching the television, yeah, big fan I, of it. I I, 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 I mean, I don't want to bring up alcohol because I know that you don't partake anymore. Yeah. But um, there's nothing I enjoy more than than some beer and some dry roasted nuts out of a bowl. It's bloody delicious. Well, I'll have my uh, Heineken Zero. And some nuts from yeah, a bowl. That, that and if I could super. have them from a, if I could have them from a silver dish, more's the better. Have you ever tried what, taking dry roasted nuts and, and snapping them in half 
and inserting them into a laughing cow triangle. <laughs> no. And then I will, eat, eating the triangle. Oh, it's 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 a taste sensation, Sam. I've mentioned this in other podcasts before, and I think thousands of people now do it as a result. I believe. I choose to believe. But um, yeah. Really, you start well. I've just always been a huge fan of um, nuts put mm. in my mouth at the same time as crisps, and it yeah. and it, the, the combination inside your mouth is a is a really amazing taste sensation. And people, I was trying to explain this to my wife at Christmas when I told her to buy a family tub of KP salted peanuts. Yeah, which she thought sounded like a dull Christmas snack. So <laughs> I started explaining to her. No, you've got to have them in your mouth at the same time as the crisps. It's amazing. People think that's a really boring, uncreative idea. Well, I know it is on the face of it, but the the flavour is incredible. Do you ever put the nuts into the crisp bag and then just dip your hand in and just get whatever's in there? Or do you have them sort of in a dish? I've done similar. I've done similar, yeah. Yeah. I'll often mix up the snacks in a bowl and have a lucky dip. I'll claw at it. I'll put my fists in like a bear's paw. Yeah, and then just like ram it into push my it mouth. Push your face. Yeah, it's push, fusion yeah, push food. Push the isn't it? food into my face. It's fusion it food. Is. It's all a rage. It's it's like it's like the 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 dry roasted nuts into the laughing cow cheese triangle. Don't try it with yeah. the dairy lay cheese triangle. It's not the same. It's got to be laughing cow, and it's got to be full cow's fat. A bit th- it's a bit thicker and more robust, isn't it, than a yeah. dairy triangle? Well, it's actually triangle. It's slightly creamy, and it's a bit more accommodating for the nuts. Yeah, but it, I'll it, do it today, mate. You, you should know I'm do a vegetarian that. now. Yeah, well, there you go. Just don't turn vegan because yeah. you're fucked then. Yeah. Uh, well, on on that fusion food culinary little uh, bit of culinary tip there for you. We're going to introduce more recipes into these Kevin Keegan episodes. We'll we'll probably end with some <clears> sort of Keegan themed recipe tip at the end of each episode going forward. I imagine. Yeah, I think we need something that can possibly drag out this odyssey even longer. A bit, little if bit we further. Can. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, that's it for episode five. Uh, we've we've made mm. some progress, I think. Um, yep. Thanks for listening, as ever. Uh, we'll be back with a, another topical episode on Friday. Um, keep cunty. Stay cunty, gang. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.